Keep a healthy perspective by distinguishing who you are from what you do. Your job is that, just a job. Maybe you're a senior analyst at your work, right? Maybe you're a leader. But in life, you're much more than that. Your worth as a person is not tied to your position or an org chart. Amen. Okay. Amen to that, y'all. High five. But that is a fact. So when someone criticizes a report you wrote or a presentation you gave, remind yourself that they're criticizing the report and the presentation, not you. I am so happy that you have tuned into this podcast because you're getting the tools and the strategies to help transform yourself, your organization, your institution, or to prepare you for leadership. But let's take it a bit further. As a organizational learning, development, and leadership consultant, I help train and develop leaders to improve their performance, resiliency, and diverse, with a capital D, talent management. So what are you waiting for? Set up a consultation with me now so we can talk about what you can do to create that long-term development plan to really ensure that your company, your organization, or even as you prepare for leadership, is on target. If you go to my website, AishaThomas.org, go to the area where you can schedule a consultation and meet with me. And we will get you started on the path of being that transformational, trend-setting leader. What's up, guys? Thank you for joining me on another episode of Internal Fire, which will soon become the leader set trends podcast yes as we enter into 2022 there are going to be some shifts and changes that's happening not only in this podcast space but within us or I'm hoping that you are making that a priority and that is the focus today I want us to talk about what we can look for what we can plan for as we enter into 2022 because as leaders we tend to be selfless we're serving and we're supporting others our organizations our businesses institutions our clients right the internal customer and the external customer but now I want us to think about ourselves just for today what we can do what we can plan for what we can look ahead for so we can make sure we're prioritizing ourselves as well all right so get your notepad your note-taking materials and let's get into today's message for this first half I want us to focus on ourselves and trust me on the second half I'm going to give you five, maybe throw in a sixth one, but at least five things that leaders need to look for in 2022, because you want to prepare for that, because these things are going to be things that I've talked about throughout 2021, and we've learned lessons in 2021, but you must, you must look for these trends in 2022 and start preparing for it if you haven't already. So I happen to be a part of some awesome boards Um, And I don't mean like a board, like a decision-making board, but on Facebook, there's this particular one that I joined. And what I appreciated about it was it allowed me to get some insight of some things that leaders and airmen and airmen, um, again, for those who are, this is maybe your first time listening to me. Hello. Uh, But I serve in the Air Force and we refer to ourselves as airmen. So when I say airmen, I'm talking about typically the younger airmen, the ones that we lead and support. But you get to hear from just different individuals, from different tiers of leadership, 
those that might be developing leaders, not in leadership positions, but I really look for those ones from leadership because what I appreciate about this, this group on Facebook is you see vulnerability, you hear stories from leaders. And I think that at times, because you're in these positions, individuals don't think that you are stressed or you navigate ups and downs. And we do. That is the reality of just individuals themselves. Again, we wear, we wear a hat. We perform in a role, you know, we support a role, but as individuals, we all navigate stressors. But for some reason, on the outside, some individuals thinks thinks that we're bulletproof, that we're superheroes. And when leaders do share and give, you know, another look to what they navigate, I think it just humanizes the individual a little bit more and reminds those that aren't in the position that, yes, I stress too. I go through ups and downs too. I'm a human just like you. And it allows those individuals not to look at you as some, you know, special character, but as an individual just like them. And I think it really dug in Bill's Bridges. So on this specific day, there was a post made that really stood out to me that I want us to discuss for a second, because there were some things within that post that I think that a lot of people, a lot of leaders navigate. And because we served and supported something for so long, it's when we get hit with something major that then we get woken up. And it's like now we get, we go from the unconscious, right? That autopilot. And now we're shaken up and we're like, wait, um, what's going on here? I've been reading this awesome book and it talks about um, this idea that a lot of individuals have that who we are is fixed. We're these fixed individuals. And, you know, for the rest of, of our lives, this is who we are. Not recognizing that a lot of the things that we wanted or who we were 10 years ago, there's been an evolution. And the, the first time I read Michelle Obama's book, Becoming, I know that really stood out to me, just that word becoming, because we are constantly becoming. I mean, just think about it, even highlighted, remember that first job that you were eager to get is that same job at some point that you are ready to transition from. Just think about those things that you just really, I want this. At some point, there's an end point, right? There was an end point with something that you did prior that you really wanted. That's the process of the, the transitions that we go through or you get into a corporation or you get into a role and you're like, okay, I've conquered it. Like I'm ready for the next tier. I'm ready for the next level. or I'm ready to retire. So there's a becoming that we are, we should be in as we grow and develop. It's just natural. It's natural from my perspective that there's a natural transition from one tier to the next tier of life itself outside of the workforce perspective, right? So I'm going to read some of it. I'm going to read some of it. And it really gives you an idea of what this person is navigating. And again, not everyone is navigating this, but again, I want to highlight some key points. So this is a major in the Air Force. So a major, this is on the officer side of the military. So this is, you know, consider on a higher tier of leadership, not super, super high, because of course you have generals and really high, high positions. But, you know, again, uh, from a leadership standpoint, if you were to put that, that enlisted tier next to, you know, officers and you get to major, they're pretty high on the totem pole. All right. So it's that that's who have submitted this. And this is an, an excuse me, this is an uh, anonymous post because, again, um, these individuals don't want to be 
highlighted or recognized, but they just want to get advice and input because they're in these groups as well. So he talked about how he was in a transition um, to go into a new role where he was vectored for a command. Pretty much he's going to be overseeing a organization. And he's saying, I'm watching, or she, because we don't know if he's a he or she actually. So it's a he or a she. Um, But I'm watching my career slip through my fingers as I struggle to work through PTSD. And just quick pause, again, post-traumatic stress disorder, although I am using an example of a military member, let's not automatically correlate that to some type of wartime effect, because it could be, but just note that there are military members who do navigate post-traumatic stress disorder, and it has nothing to do with anything wartime related. Um, And I think that's important because there are individuals who navigated this COVID-19 pandemic and this evolution of the different variants of it and so on and variations and so on. And there are people who have, um, there's a new study that even my sister put me onto is PCSD, post-COVID stress disorder. And people are literally navigating a level of stress and anxiety because of what they experienced with COVID and safety and health and having to navigate, okay, you know, where they can and can't go and just the uncomfortability of, you know, how many, you know, just watching how many lives COVID has taken or how many people who have gotten sick and having to navigate that. There are a lot of people who have been navigating just so much from it. You know, as a parent, I've had to, you know, pull my kids in and out of school, have had so many different COVID scares with them. So it it is something that has caused a lot of stress and it can result to PTSD. It really can. So just know that PTSD is correlated to a traumatic experience. And that could range from anything from something such as traumatic or stressful and, you know, that is correlated to something like a pandemic to a car accident and these other examples as well. So I just wanted to highlight that as well. And again, you know, a doctor will definitely cor- correlate that and actually be the one to say, this is what you have. So, because I am not one. So I want to highlight that, foot stomp that. Um, and again, this is something I've been open to share that I have, um, I've, I've had to navigate myself PTSD and it wasn't combat related as well. Um, it, it was traumatic, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't related to combat. So as someone who's had to navigate that, I think, again, it's so important that people recognize it doesn't have to be, you know, on the scale of what people consider, oh, that's, that's now that's trauma. No, any type of trauma you went through, anything that experience that you experienced that, you know, results to, you know, certain things that, again, a doctor uh, will officially uh, identify that's what it is, then, you know, that is what it is. But anyway, so back to the story, excuse me, back to the post. So they're watching their career slip through their fingers as they struggle through PTSD. Um, They say that I've had some recent issues at work dealing with a civilian. So military members do work in spaces where they are working with civilian members as well, you know, because again, we're total force. So total force means you have people from different components sometimes working together, civilians working with military members. So that does occur. Um, That has found ways to exasperate um, uh, yeah, excuse me, exacerbate, right? Exasperate, uh, their symptoms with unprofessional behavior and communication. 
Um, I have asked the commander, so they've asked their leadership. So the commander is typically like that CEO of that company, right? Or that um, that the highest leader within that organization. So that is the highest decision maker in that organization. And a lot of times in those positions, you know, you might have a major that is reporting directly to the CEO or the head, head leader within that organization. So that's the case. That's who he or he or she is saying that they have reported this, this, that these issues to. Um so I've, I have asked the commander, a.k.a., you know, the head boss, the head honcho in charge um, for help dealing with this person. And those requests have been ignored. I'm alone working with the inspector general in equal employment for help by trying to focus on, uh, but also trying to focus on their recovery. But it's, it's a nightmare. So they've escalated it to pretty much HR and these other components of, you know, employee, excuse me, um, yes, EO, you know, equal opportunity, and also IG, who investigates complaints such as much. You know, a lot of times if you can't handle things within what they say the lowest level, so I went to my supervisor, they can't handle it. Maybe I went to my supervisor's supervisor. They, I haven't seen no one take action. Now you can elevate it to the next tier. But they're still navigating still issues, even after they've reported it. The leadership in my unit and my organization has been allowed to get away with toxic behavior because everyone is afraid to come forward in the fear of retaliation. So again, workplace culture is unhealthy. I can't do anything more for this group, right? He can't do or she can't do anything else for this organization other than what I have done. And, um, Pretty much, you know, they say I'm broken and in need of support to rebuild. I've been told my symptoms would easily lead to a medical retirement. But hear this, but I can't get my brain around not being active duty, actively serving, you know, day in and day out, right? And of course, you know, they probably get weekends off, but depending on their role in the in the service. So they can't see themselves transition out. And that's one of those points I want to foot stomp. And we're going to go back to that. All right. So just write that down. Right. This person is also navigating. They're navigating the toxic environment. They went to their leadership. Their leadership won't handle it. They are navigating post-traumatic stress disorder. And it's being, they're basically being triggered on a regular basis. So they're trying to recover while navigating that. There's an opportunity for them to retire. But they're like, I can't even see myself not serving in this role or being in the military, because maybe they're open to transition and leave. However, they can't see themselves like leaving the military altogether. How do I move forward from here? How do I stop caring about the injustice, injustices of what I have endured under this leadership and focus solely on the opportunity for healing that I have been given? I'm over halfway towards my retirement, and it's hard to imagine throwing in the towel at this point. So they consider it throwing their towel, throwing in the towel, towel excuse me, but I can't go on, right? Um, I'm not sure if I'd be any of you, any use for deployments right now, because again, when you are navigating, um, certain medical, um, medical conditions, one of the things they do factor in is this person deployable. If there was a deployment, if there was a mission, if there was something that does happen, if there is a war, could you deploy them? And if you do those that deploy location, have the services and the support to give that person. And then also there's just some cases where even if they did, or not not even if they did, you just can't 
send somebody that's navigating. Because again, there's a lot of triggers. There's a lot of, it's a high stress location by sending someone to a war zone that is navigating post-traumatic stress disorder. That is a stressful environment. So they consider all those different factors when they are, um, you know, people are navigating different medical uh, conditions. And there's a variety of other things that are considered when, you know, uh, again, a medical professional within the military that's an expert at this determines if someone is deployable or not. So he says, or she, he or she says, can 30 days really fix something this severe? I would say no. Am I going to remain broken as long as I'm on active duty until either retire, either I retire or succumb to my anxiety and depression? How do I know when to stop forcing this and just to go with whatever is going to happen? What is it like on the other side if I'm not on active duty and I have to find a new identity? Mm. Foot stomp that again, right? My family needs me, foot stomp that. And I couldn't possibly go through with anything as final as suicide, but I'm so tired, but I'm so tired, right? And I could see an easy way out of just falling asleep and never waking up. Wow, right? Wow. Has anyone been there? My Any advice for anyone that has had, had to face, um, well, they asked any advice from someone who has had to face a medical board or medical retirement. But that there, the medical board, the medical retirement is like, that's not, that's like the last thing that I'm, I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about their mental health. I'm concerned about, um, yeah, their wellness altogether, because that last line, that just that last piece out of everything I read, my family needs me. I can't think of anything. Um, I can't think of anything as final as suicide, but I'm so tired. I could see an easy way out of just falling asleep and never waking up. Wow. Right. And the reality is there are individuals that have navigated this. There are leaders who have navigated this. This individual is a leader. Yes, they have most, you know, most leaders in an organization that work for an institution who aren't a CEO. They have leaders. Right. And some, you know, they, they have a boss that they have to report to. And I can relate so much to this because I have had, and I've shared this in a previous podcast of navigating um, suicidal ideations and navigating a lot of personal issues and no one knew. No one knew, and I talked about this on the high performing aspect, but no one knew that I was navigating all these stressors personally because I was still a high performer. I was still showing up. I was still putting up numbers. I was still excelling. I was still getting awards. I was still killing it in the office, but inside I was hurting inside. I was just going through so much and it almost led me down the same path. Literally, literally I had the stage set to take that step to, as this individual says, fall asleep and never wake up. And that's just honest. And again, just like I was sharing earlier, it's important for us to share these stories because, you know, we want to humanize the reality that um, other individuals and leaders can go through this and, and show that we're human beings just like everyone else, but then show the other side that you can get through it. And there is another side of healing, wellness, growth, and development of this. But that's the biggest thing. I, it's like everything else identified in here, their wellness is the priority and their individuals who are navigating this. You might not even know because we need to, A, I've said this before, get past the bias of thinking or believing that suicide looks a certain way. 
trauma looks a certain way. A stressed out employee looks a certain way. A stressed out employee could put up 100% the best numbers in your company. And now I'm talking about others because remember I said this first part is going to be about us. But that means you too. Because really when I was reading this, I was thinking about other leaders that are navigating this and not telling anyone. And thank goodness this person does have an outlet. And I think that if anything, that is the biggest part about this is having an outlet, having a source, having someone to reach out to for support, because that's what helped me. As the stage was set, I made one phone call. And that one phone call changed everything. If I didn't have that one phone call, I don't know, y'all. I don't know. I don't know. But I did have that one phone call. And I want to make sure that we are creating environments and we have that support for ourselves. Because I, because from those experiences, I have just made sure that I make sure that I have normalized the importance of wellness and resiliency and support and resiliency in the effective way, right? Meaning that making sure that my team members have the tools that they need specifically for how they need to navigate what they're dealing with. Because a one-size-fits-all approach, it doesn't work for everybody because we're all different. We all navigate stress differently. We all, we all might be going through different things or similar things, but we might still be navigating it in a completely different way. But as leaders, we, it's like we have to wear this cloak and show up. Even if inside we are hurting, we are sad, we are broken, we still have to show up. And pretend because we have other individuals we have to lead. This happens in the home. This happens in so many places. So I want to make sure that we are doing our part to make sure we are prioritizing ourselves as we go into 2022. If you were to gauge the level of mental wellness or wellness check-ins that you did for yourself this year, what was it? And I'm not saying, you know, getting your nails done or having a guy's night or, you know, going to get your hair cut every week. No, I mean, literally checking in with your heart, your mind, your emotions, your level of stress, and really seeing How many times this week have I been stressed out and how did I respond to it? Was it healthy? Was it unhealthy? Is this a pattern? And is it at a point where I need to tell my doctor or I need to go seek some mental health counseling just to kind of learn some new techniques and tools so I can navigate this effectively? How did it affect you? Did it cause you to have a, did you have a ton of headaches and migraines this year? Did you lose hair? Did you, you know, find yourself taking that energy back into the home? your personal space, and now it's it's trickling into the home. Because yes, maybe at work you had enough capacity to just push through, but when you got got home, you dumped it all on the family. And that does happen. And I'm not judging anybody for that. But sometimes that is the place that, okay, it's just a release. 
So what can we do to make sure that we have the tools, the resources? So that's not a place we release because again, the release can look different. The release might just be, you find yourself just exhausted and don't have energy to play with your children, but the release could be, it can also be, it can turn violent or it can turn into something super, super unhealthy. So when I said that, have we, how many times have we really checked in to identify those days where wellness was okay? I wasn't managing wellness effectively. How often do we do that? Because we make other things a priority, right? I say you get your hair cut every week. That's an appointment. You know, every Friday or every other Friday, I'm getting my hair cut or every so-and-so I'm getting my nails done or every so-and-so I'm getting these things done. But I've shared this plenty of times about doing these check-ins with ourselves on a weekly basis, just to check self-assessment. How did I show up this week? What did I do effectively? And as we're going into a new year, yes, it might be hard to assess what has happened in this entire year, but try to if you haven't. One of the things that I have done is I go on my calendar and I'll pull up things on my calendar because sometimes it's a memory jogger and it reminds me of things. And I'm like, okay, that allows me to kind of get a feel of, okay, what happened that month? And if anything, I can do an overview of, okay, how did I feel that month? What was my victories? What were my wins? What could I have worked on? What stood out? How did I show up for my team? What feedback did I get from my team? What resistance did I get from back from, from my team? And start to pinpoint some things that remind you of how your response was. I've been watching this show that um, I'm thinking of doing reviews on on YouTube, but it's, it's a reality show. So I don't want to get in. I don't want it to get merged with, you know, I'm doing like a reality show review because it's really not that. It's really this show is about leadership. You have a leader, a CEO in a position that, that isn't recognizing that there are some major breakdowns happening within this amazing real estate firm that she is building and it's causing so many breakdowns within her team that by the end you're like, and of course, I'm sure it's a cliffhanger. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of other things happening and they leave things at that point so you can watch the next one, but there was just so many different things that I'm like, well, this could have been prevented if this conversation was had, you know, occurred like this. So it's in those, it's, it's really getting us into the process as we enter into January to begin to do more check-ins so we can track our wellness or track our quote unquote breakdowns in a way. And I don't want to say breakdowns in a negative way, but tr track our ups and downs, our ebbs and flows to identify, okay, what do I need to work on? What are the patterns that I see? So when it is time to see your doctor or when you do see a pattern, you can say, okay, I need help in this area because I have a communication gap that I need to work on. For some reason, I am uncomfortable having this conversation I need to identify what thoughts I'm having. Why am I fearful to have this conversation? Why am I not address addressing this conflict? Why is this not happening? I've identified this. And then now you can go to the expert and the support to help you through that. And now you are being proactive than reactive. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be proactive leaders in 2022. 
versus reactive. Because what happens, like I was watching this show, is these things are bubbling, bubbling, bubbling. And then when things hit the fan, now there's a reaction. However, if things were being tracked, things were being checked in, if there were check-ins happening, excuse me, then you're being proactive. And of course, as leaders, we're not going to catch everything. Sometimes, depending on where you sit, there's certain information that won't even get to you. And that's a whole nother conversation because if you do have to end up being reactive, the question is to those leaders that you put in those positions, how did this happen? Let's discuss this. How can we fix this communication where this gets to me? And if they do feel that they can handle it at the lowest level, of course, right? You want them to. However, but there's some things that need to be communicated or worked through, right? So it doesn't get to the point where things blow up. But again, as leaders, there are going to be things that do blow up just because that's just the nature of, of things. So that's the other thing we need to let go of perfection or thinking that things or having control um, is going to prevent things from breaking down because breakdown still will happen. I just want to ensure that we are being proactive leaders and reactive leaders. And for this individual here, I I responded in this long, long message because essentially I wanted them to make their priority themselves. They reported, they went to IG, they went to EO. They've done all these different things. They've done their part, but now they need to focus on themselves as much as they want to, you know, address these issues and these problems, if they aren't well, they won't be able to really give it their 100% because right now their body, their mind, their heart, their emotions, they're functioning at maybe at different tiers, 20% here, 30%. And we might not always be able to be at 100%, but there's some things that they need to work through and really develop, not even develop, but work through right? Recover from and go through that plan and recognize that if a transition needs to happen, that might be the best benefit. Because again, as leaders, we don't ever want our identity to be so wrapped up in the role that when it's time to transition, that that becomes another stressor. So we really have to also work through separating a role and who we are. Say your name. My name is Aisha. Aisha is separate from Master Sergeant, Senior Master Sergeant, uh, Senior Airman, right? Miss Thomas, Mama Thomas, right? I'm separate from those roles. Business owner Thomas, Aisha, right? Sister Aisha, friend Aisha, leader in these different spaces, Aisha. I am separate from those hats. Those are different hats I wear, but Aisha, I'm just, I'm I'm a separate individual and I need to learn how to separate the two. So if I do have to make a transition, I know foundationally who I am. So put yourself in the middle and around those are different hats, but your identity isn't within any of those. Your identity is within, it's just who you are to the core of you. So really go through that journey of understanding who you are outside of those roles. So those roles don't have you. So on this second half, I'm going to talk about some things to just look for in 2022. Talk a little bit more about working through that whole identity 
aspect and then really just talk about some changes that um, are going to happen on the podcast. So just stay tuned and we'll get into some tips and strategies for making 2022 a proactive year. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here for the other half of this message. That'll be back to you in one second. Ladies and gentlemen, Internal Fire presents the Leaders Set Trends podcast. Yes, there is a new change as we enter into 2022. And this podcast has evolved. But now we're focusing on that leader, you. Yes, you. Remember, leadership is influence and you have influence, but many of us enter into roles and we don't have the tools and the information and the resources necessary so we can support our organizations, our businesses, those team members, or even us effectively. And you're going to get that here. You're going to get the trends, that innovative information that's going to help you get to that level that you're trying to get to. So if you're a brand new leader, a leader aiming to get to the next tier, first tier executive, CEO, the information here is going to benefit you. So as always, you're going to get your notepads, your note-taking material, but we're going to bring you guests, new interviews, information that is going to point you to where you need to go to support your leadership goals. A lot of times when people start a new year, they'll ask, what's your word for the year? What's your word? Two of my words are boundaries and proactive boundaries because I want to ensure that I am creating enough boundaries and spaces so I can serve myself in growth development and just taking care of myself, you know, being able to plug, plug out, right? Pull the plug and be okay with it. This downtime that I had during the holidays, it was hard. I'm like, what, 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 what can I do? And trust me, there's plenty of stuff that I can do. But I intentionally said, you know what? I am going to sit and not work as hard. I need to enjoy this time off. Because baby, 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 <laughs> once the new year hits and work starts to kick in, it's going to be back into business. So I need to be able to sit and just relax. So that requires me to have boundaries, maintain them individuals who try to cross those boundaries, I make sure I'm like, nope, right? And reinforce that these boundaries are there. You can't cross them. And then again, proactive. So just like I'm telling you all to make sure that I'm doing these check-ins on a regular basis and by creating those boundaries and prioritizing myself and making sure that my self-assessment process is regular, which it currently is, but I just want to do it more often. I want to do it more often. So again, I can try to, um, and I said, try, right? Because again, We don't have control over everything. So I can ensure that I am at least, because the only thing I can control is myself, I can at least make sure that I am being proactive in my own wellness and doing the things necessary if I can catch things within my team, my business, within my home, and I can address it ahead of time versus being on autopilot, right? Because we want to be leaders that are functioning in our conscious versus our unconscious. So a lot of times we're on our autopilot. We're just moving day to day functioning. And a lot of times we don't tap out and say, okay, world, I'm here. (laughs) I'm here. This is what I did. Why did I do that? Ooh, I didn't even realize I said that. Have you, has anyone ever told you something? You're like, I did that. I said that. I what? 
you are on autopilot. You have these canned statements you say, these reactions that you do, and you don't even realize it. Or even take time to say, I wonder how this, how this affected the room or the people in the room. So that's important, right? So what is your word for the year? I want it to be, I want one of them to be proactive. And under proactive is going to might be a bunch of other things you have to do. So before I get into the five things you want to look for, right, just encompassing everything, big picture, um, on the first half, we we ended it talking about the separation because in this piece, we were talking about this brave leader who shared what they were navigating in this toxic work environment, making this transition, how hard it was, but also one of the things that's pulling them in is, mm, I can't see myself without being in this role. So there's a great ar- article in the Harvard Business Review that highlighted, you know, it, it was great. And it said, separate who you are from what you do, right? So I'll just read a little piece of it. Um, it says, being a passionate about your job is great, but there are limits. If you become so wrapped up in the professional identity that setbacks at work, affect your self-worth, that's a problem. Keep a healthy perspective by distinguishing who you are from what you do. Your job is that, just a job. Maybe you're a senior analyst at your work, right? Maybe you're a leader. But in life, you're much more than that. Your worth as a person is not tied to your position or an org chart. Amen. Okay. Amen to that, y'all. High five. But that is a fact. So when someone criticizes a report you wrote or presentation you gave, remind yourself that they're criticizing the report and the presentation, not you. By shifting your perspective this way, you build resilience and protect your self-esteem from challenges and even failures, which are inevitable. Inevitable, after all. That's what I've been saying. Me and this person, we're on the same wavelength. So shout out to them, okay? (laughs) And having a strong sense of self, in turn, will help you perform better in your role. Oh, again, it said everything that it said everything that I was going to say, right? Everything. But this was powerful, powerful. And this was adapted from um, Timothy O'Brien. Just really, really great. Um, it says, "When your job is your identity, professional failure hurts more." And I always share that, especially in the business environment. I talked about um, how people would say no to, you know, maybe I give them an offer. But I would, for some reason, feel like they're saying no to me. I started, I started feeling, Aisha started feeling rejection. And they're like, no. And, and in my mind, like maybe they, so a multitude of reasons why someone could be saying no. They might not have the funds. Maybe my pitch was ineffective. Maybe it's not the right time. Maybe they already have another, I mean, just a multitude of different things. But why I started to look at my value and now my performance did wane where now I wasn't, I was starting to reconsider my business. I was starting to think like, is this what I really want to do? So now I was going from talking to maybe 10 people a day to now five. And the more no's I heard, it went from four, three, two, one, now zero. However, I could have looked at it as an opportunity to say, okay, let me look at my presentation. Let me reach out and say, give feedback. You know what? Um, you know, if you don't mind, just give me feedback. Um, and some people may not feel comfortable and that's Okay. But getting feedback as to why, you know, pitching the idea with someone else that can give you their biased opinion. And then that that maybe that feedback will help you develop another approach to, you know, offering a service or so on. So building that separation is going to be key. 
And I've always shared as a career advisor in the military, seeing people transition from being in the service to seeing them transition out the identity war that I saw, it was amazing. And I say it was amazing because I never saw that before because to me, it was like a learning experience of, wow, Aisha, you really need to make sure you are preparing for your transition. And I think that, you know, that's something important that is embedded within um, the military environment, the transition plan, because I saw the top tier of leaders struggle with taking off those blues, taking off those awards and plaques that may not convey as much in the civilian world. They were like, wow, I'm no longer going to be Colonel General. I'm no longer going to be this. Who will I be now? But that role didn't define you. Because you were in this top tier position and now you are going to go to a GS position or you were, that doesn't define you. Also, what was the preparation that you did prior to your transition? So now you're not just like, whoa, now it's time to transition and I'm in my 19th year and I have to transition in my 20th. So that's why, again, being proactive is so important. And that's why I'm, I'm having this conversation with you leaders, making sure you're proactive and you're planning and addressing these things as you go. So you can get with that expert to support you in those areas because maybe you are navigating an identity pool, an identity war, and you need to navigate that. And that's okay. That's okay. I'm a, I'm a big supporter of therapy, someone who went through it. I'm a big um, supporter of um, investing in leadership development. That's why my line is individuals don't typically quit the organization. They quit the leader. That's why you need leadership development. Because as we're navigating all these things, it will affect our performance. It'll affect how we lead and how we show up for our team members. And while we didn't have that intention for people to quit us, they will. Or they might just sit through it. But how is that now affecting their performance? And now, again, it's a trickle effect. Because whatever things or gaps that we have, someone else might need to step in and fill it. So again, we need to make sure that we are doing our part because I love this thing. It says, yes. So when someone criticizes a report you wrote or a presentation you gave, remind yourself they're not cr criticizing the report. Um, excuse me, that they're criticizing the report or presentation, not you. It's not you. It's separation. Okay? Separation. So you in the middle, your name. Say your name. Aisha. And I wear these hats. They don't define me. There's so much more to me than just a role, these different roles that I sit in. One doesn't define me more than the other. All of these are a part of me, right? They're a part of me, part of things that I chose to do, but they don't define me. All right? Okay, so <sighs> breathe. Now let's focus on, right, these top things that I want us to think about as we enter into 2022. Leaders, get your notepads out. If it your notepad should be out anyway, okay? Your notepad should be out, pad should be out anyway. So as we're going into 2022, what are the trends? And make sure you're on my email list because I'm sending this out to my email list. And if you're not on it, you need to get on it. So go to my website, aishathomas.org, right? Download my free source as well. I have a resource, a leadership. Uh, it's like a development plan that you can utilize for your team members. Even if you don't have team members now, right? And you're someone that is a 
developing leader. Download it, get on the list so I can start shooting that information out to you or just shoot me your email at info at AishaThomas.org so I can send out these resources to you. Or you can DM me on social media, whatever way works for you. All right, so the first one, show you care. Make employee wellness, mental health a priority. You have to do this. You have to. Must. So depression causes an estimated $200 million lost of lost work days annually and costs employee, employers somewhere around, excuse me, between $17 billion to $44 billion. And although it's not about the money, the reality is it is about the money. It is. But employee, it is about the team as well, because the team, they are, again, imperative, important, vital, and they support, again, mission and vision, and they support you reaching these goals. There was another um, study that was done by um, that, excuse me, that was highlighted through the HMNC Brain Health, right? So um, this company that they do. Um, so there's a, it's like, a, excuse me, circled around a precision uh, medical biotech. It's a precision me- medical biotech company. I can't talk y'all, <laughs> but um, the CEO stated of this specific company now more than ever, we should be taking proactive approaches in our employees, mental health and well-being. He suggests providing every team with mindfulness related practices and developing a sense of community, which are proven to drive an innovative and future oriented work environment in which hybrid and digital working is essential. And we know, you know, we're transitioning more into this hybrid format of working, of being engaged in supporting a company and organization, institution and so on. So That mental wellness, that employee wellness piece is so important. It's important. So being a master resiliency trainer, I love it because I, I've seen a lot more companies. They'll bring me on. Hey, I want my team to have tools for mindfulness, for stress management, for wellness. Can you support them in that? Yes. But then we'll dig in with their leaders because leaders need, need it as well. Because it supports how you show up. It is a part of development. It is. Because when you are stressed, when you're navigating a lot of stress, we don't realize how much the nervous system does affect how we show up, our behaviors. And if it's in survival mode, it will limit how effective we are to our teams and to our organizations. So how much are you willing to invest in employee wellness? Because again, it's going to benefit their overall wellness. It is. So you want to make sure that you are making this a priority. You have to, you must, right? And if you want more facts, I throw them out to you. A global study by Qualtrics, right? I think that's how you pronounce it, but don't worry about it. I think that's how you pronounce it though. (laughs) They found that 42% of people have experienced a decline in mental health. Specifically, 67% of people are experiencing an increase of stress, while 57% have increased anxiety, 54% are emotionally exhausted, 53% are sad, 50% are irritable, 28% have trouble concentrating, 20% are taking longer to finish tasks, 15% are having trouble thinking, and 12% are are challenged to juggle their responsibilities. All of those things are affecting their workplace. And again, I'm always thinking of this also trickles into the other 
areas that they are leading in as well, their homes. If there are leaders that you support that are leading others, it's affecting that space. So make sure that you are putting your dollars and your focus and your support on employee wellness. And this bridges right next to it. Number two, number two, interpersonal relationships through empathetic leadership. And I talked about that um, about a podcast or, or two ago, right? I've been talking about that actually consistently recently. So in a survey earlier this year by the APA, American Psychological Association, it stated that 84% of adults reported feeling at least one emotion associated with prolonged stress in the preceding two weeks. The most significant sources of anxiety were the future of the nation, the coronavirus pandemic, and political unrest. And as we know, COVID has evolved. You have these different strains. So, and now they're, I mean, it's, you know, I tend, I know for me, I'm, I don't plug into the news. I don't overconsume because it can get stressful because, you know, there's no like happy news channel where it's just happy news all day long. They need to create it. I think there might be something similar or something that is out there like that, but typically it's a, you're hearing just things happening regularly. It can be stressful, but with COVID, you're hearing flights being canceled with this new variant, just so many more cases going up and it can, and now I know within my team, there have been transitions already made. I have a team member that reached out and said, uh, hey ma'am, I'm sorry, but my daughter's school has went to virtual again and they won't be returning until this date. And I said, okay, we'll handle it. It's all right. But they're like, you know what? I'm stressed because honestly, I don't want, because we're supposed to be going into, you know, meeting once a week, going in person once a week, but they can't. And that's okay. We have to navigate it. It is what it is, but that's stressful because now they're thinking, you know, I know for me, I've been in those spaces because I can't say what they're thinking, but they might be thinking, okay, I don't want to, that to affect how they see me in this role and they're in a leadership position. So when you're in a leadership position, I know for me, it's like, I have high expectations for myself. So I don't want anything to, you know, I don't want to come off that I am not uh, effective or I have some type of breakdown or glitch, or I don't want anyone to assume that because I can still handle things virtually. But again, you do have some team members or excuse me, some leaders who do that, who have an issue with this whole um, virtual space having this hybrid option. But the blessing is we, uh, you know, again, the organization that this bubble here that I support or I'm a part of within the military, they're great. They're amazing. So, but not, that's not the story for everyone. So again, that causes stress, that causes issues. So it's it going to be highly important that empathetic leadership is a part of, this is a soft skill that might have not been developed as much, or you might even thought that needed developing, but you do want to work on it. And it actually has a lot of great effects in areas of innovation, engagement, retention, inclusivity, and work life. For innovation, which I love, right? When people reported their leaders were empathetic, they were more likely to report they were able to be innovative. 61% of employees compared to only 13% of employees with less empathetic leaders. Retention, which is big, 
because we are navigating a season of the great, the great, right? The great transition, or they call the great resignation, where there are a lot more. They said there's been a 54% increase in job transitions this year that happened in 2021. That will continue. So retention is key right now. So are you leading with empathy? Are you leading with it? What does that look like? The next area, corporate social responsibility or corporate social justice. I did a whole episode on that. As I mentioned before, this is super important as you're thinking about the generation of the future. Because again, there's a shift. Baby boomers are transitioning out. Gen Zers are coming in and they're looking for organizations to basically really epitomize or look like what society looks like. Be inclusive. Support these social issues that are happening. And of course, as a CEO, as a, as, as a you know, executive board, essentially they, they can determine whatever alignment of whatever issue they want to have or be connected with. That is 100% um, something they can support. But again, just in preparation of what those future leaders and those that are, you're trying to recruit into your organization, what it should look like or what they're looking for, this is, this is just some things to consider. So again, you have corporate social responsibility. That's an initiative that you, you might want to embed within your organization that focuses on or connects to some type of social issue. And then corporate social justice is really, it, it's really connecting your organization in total to a social issue. So again, an example of that is Nike. They are living, I mean, it's pretty much in the ethos and the values. It's all mixed up in what they're all totally about. Where some companies just have initiatives within um, their company that's focused on certain aspects of, okay, social responsibility or social um, issues. A recent survey by BBMG and GlobalScan found that particularly um, disruptive context that Gen Z has grown up in, especially since they're a generation likely to have immigrant parents. Um, and again, they're the most diverse generation thus far going into the workforce, um, has left the generation navigating profound social, political, and environmental transformations. So go back and listen to that episode and really consider what can I, what, what kind of connectivity you can have to some type of corporate social uh, related issues. The federal government has really embedded that greatly. They have, you know, an initiative that occurs every year where you can invest, support some type of um, initiative. And it's the largest and it's extremely popular. But research other companies that are doing it or get support or bring an expert in that can help you build that, right? Some organizations have hired those DE&I um, uh, executives or DE&I um, you know, or excuse me, have developed those roles to have someone that is their focus point to embed these new DEI related um, initiatives and focus points within their company. And that's another option. Bring in that expert and have them embed that in there. And then again, the work, the work will be done where now you're attracting, now they're seeing the shifts and changes, and make sure that you are involved. In that, let they want to see that you are find it as just as important, regardless of the tier that you're in. Be that you know, give that alley oop 
to show that you support the changes towards a more diverse, a more equitable and inclusive environment. The next one is bridge that generational gap, that intergenerational gap, right? Today's workforce is the first, right? To have all four generations. So that's diversity in a totally different way, totally different way. So you have Gen Zers, baby boomers, you have all these generations together and recognize that they all bring something different to the table. They don't all have to think the same, but it's important to bridge that gap, to make sure conversations are happening, to not be a part of the, they don't, they don't this, they don't that. I was having a conversation with a friend that talked about, well, this generation, the reason why they have such a, you know, there's a big, there's a retention issue is because they function like this. Well, what, what can we do to fix that or remedy that? What can we do to, to, to work on that area? Again, there's a great resignation that's happening. 50, 54% increase per LinkedIn's data. So to bridge that gap, we want to talk about what can we do to prepare ourselves for the future leaders who will be running these companies, these organizations sitting on these boards. So job transitions by generation, Gen Z, job moves are up by 80%. Millennials, the second highest, 50%. Gen X, 31%. Baby boomers, 5%. So those that are leaving your organizations and retiring on a regular basis, they're staying. Gen X, 31%. So the two that are pretty much the next generation to grow and develop your companies, to push that mission and vision, are leaving at the highest rates. You want to address that, leaders. You want to address that. So bridging that intergenerational gap. And the last one, right, is, so we did one, we did two, we did three, four. Now we on five, is remote work. Some companies <laughs> and some people I've worked with or clients I've worked with have, have stated that there are some leaders who have had a struggle with this transition. Some don't have an issue at all. But if this benefits your company, if it save, it's save, save them money, um, resources, if this aids some level of support to your team members who are already stressed out, again, this all trickles up top, right? Remember I was talking about stress earlier, employee wellness. What if that helps improve it? Because now they're home and now it aids to this, right? Aids to whatever blank is. Because again, everyone needs support for different reasons. What if that connects to that empathy? Oh, I didn't recognize that. Okay, let's uh, update your telework agreement and update it to this for this moment or this season because you have to now pick up your daughter X amount of days a week because of how, the, how they've navigated the pandemic in their uh, school system. That means a lot to someone. But getting familiar or recognizing the benefit of remote work, it's important. So there was a Gallup poll that identified 54% of employees want hybrid arrangements. 37% of employees want to work from home exclusively. And 9% of employees want to return to the office full time. So you have a big chunk who want a level of remote work. Even if it's part time. How much would that benefit your company, your organization? It could have a lot of benefits and it could, could decrease, decrease, excuse me, that great, great resignation. 
that could be that one thing that makes your company stand out and make someone decide, I want to work there versus work there. Because it's also that uh, competition to attract talent as well. So think on those things. And as always, if you need that support, bring those experts in that can support you in that area. So again, just to recap, first one, make employee wellness a priority, mental health support, mindfulness, getting them those tools that they need so they can work on those areas that they need, right? Recognizing that is an issue that is navigating or, or people are navigating throughout different workplaces. Really functioning with the level of empathetic leadership and building those interpersonal relationships. Because the more that you get to learn and understand what your team members are, are navigating, the more you can support them empathize with them, understand what they're navigating. Now you can bring in the resources and tools that they need to support them. And they can really see you walking and functioning in your empathy, which also benefits productivity, trust. And now you're going to see how it just benefits the overall view of you as a leader of that company, of that organization, because they're truly saying that you care. Embedding corporate a social responsibility or corporate social justice focus points, you know, all incorporated under DE&I. We want to continue those efforts. We just we don't want to be just companies or leaders that just put a hashtag or put a statement out there. You want to make sure that it is you show the proof that it's happening because Gen Zers are walking. I'm excuse me, watching. And then lastly, not lastly, excuse me. After that was bridge the intergenerational gap, making sure that there is a bridge versus that the bridge is burning down, <laughs> allowing them to understand that the differences are beneficial. But again, those, the great resignation is happening between millennials and Gen Zers. So we want to make sure we're finding out why they're leaving and work on bridging that gap in those relationships within those organizations. It's not us against them. We all bring value to companies. And lastly, remote work. Overall, most individuals want remote work at least part-time. So consider it because it all benefits. It benefits that great resignation. So it doesn't happen to you. It benefits making you stand out if you're trying to attract talent. It benefits that stress that that team member might be dealing with, just having those two days to work from home. So I hope that information helps. Go back, replay it, pause it, reflect and as always, I'm here to support because I support all these different areas. So go to my website, AishaThomas.org, schedule me because my calendar gets full so quick. <laughs> it has been getting full so I can come out and support your company, your organization, or even help you develop to be that leader, that proactive leader. So AishaThomas.org, um, go to my area, schedule a free consultation, or just follow me on social media um, to just, you know, maybe you just want to check out the information I have, go on my YouTube and watch that. But essentially, reach out to me if you need any support. Make sure you share this information, leave a review. But I'm always here to support you all. And stay tuned 